Hello and welcome to Gameplay Quest episode 320. I am your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. It's always 320 somewhere, probably. David Bernie Family Master. Oh shit. How's it going? Uh, uh, sleepy. <laughs> you? Uh, sleepy. Uh, well, that's gonna that's gonna put a damper on this. So let's not focus too much on that. Let's yeah. move. <laughs> let's, let's keep this a shorter episode. Um, yeah. Uh, miss any gaming news or lately? Um, uh, nothing. Nothing that's like super interesting that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly just like companies putting out their quarterlies, but yeah. that's been kind of it. Oh, uh, Keith David will be replacing Lance Reddick as Zavala in Destiny 2. Good choice, good choice. Yeah. Keith David's always a reliable hand, great voice actor, yeah. great actor in general. Uh, I should say, also he will be re replacing the English voice of Zavala, because there's like... Naturally. <laughs> Zavala voice actors, so I don't want to be... To... Uh... But, yeah, yeah. uh, and that just reminds me, I'm still sad that, uh, Johnny Hardwick died. Yeah, that sucks. That really, really sucks. sucks. They were, they were just about to do a revival of King of the Hill. Yeah. Those who don't know, Johnny Hardwick was a writer and voice actor on, uh, 90s and aughts animated sitcom King of the Hill. Uh, he was the voice of Dale Gribble. And he was uh, irreplaceable in that role, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, irreplaceable is a good way to describe it. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> was rewatching. I've been rewatching that show coincidentally uh, while I've been working, and <laughs> it's uh, it's it's. Incredible how much that that character could be so shitty, but so funny. Yeah. Now get inside and start massaging my wife. <laughs> oh, <God>. but... <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you know, pour one out. Uh... <sighs> Very sucky. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, since, since there's not a lot of video game news currently happening that I'm too keyed in on, what have we been playing? What have we been playing? Oh, you I hit know. a milestone? Yes, <laughs> I beat the last boss of Remnant 2, which is yep. a doozy. Uh, I think I, I don't know if I played it on stream at all, but it's... It's a lot. It's one of those boss fights where you start it and, and it's just like, oh, well, this is impossible. I'm gonna need... <laughs> this is just an uncompletable video just, game. Yeah, this is just impossible. I'm going to need co-op just to even attempt to beat this. Uh, as it turns out, it was actually harder in co-op just because... It's probably because of some stat buffing going on. Probably partially that, but just like there's so many attacks to dodge that when one of your teammates go down, your natural inclination is okay. I have to try and get this person up, and that just leads to disaster. That super is not happening. Yeah, against a boss with many attacks, mm -hmm. and you know, as I did it 
it must have been like 30 or 40 attempts, although that sounds a lot, but a lot of them were just, oh, I screwed up dodging on this first string of attacks and I'm dead. <laughs> That's what a lot of the reputation came from. But yeah, you figure out his attacks, you get to a second phase, which also seems harder, but it's just like, you, persistence, just keep going, keep pulling through, heal when you can. Figure out how to dodge certain attacks. And, you know, you realize pretty quickly that, especially in the first phase, which I started to be able to actually finish pretty easily, it's just like, this boss telegraphs fucking everything. Like, it, he does lots of attacks. He moves very fast, but everything is telegraphed. Less so in the, the second phase, but it's... It's kind of, of a clusterfuck, and you just gotta kind of do your best. And it's, it's definitely beatable. So, this, so for anyone that is stuck on the final boss of Remnant 2, keep at it. It's it is not impossible. You can do it. And honestly, uh, I don't think doing it co-op is gonna help you at all. <laughs> probably is gonna make it worse. Because that's gonna be fun when yeah. we get there. Because the boss is like gonna go, oh, it's he's gonna probably bounce from one person to the next, and and that's just gonna be a clusterfuck. Because you're not gonna know, do I need to dodge now, or is he's gonna be you're just gonna be sitting there firing at him, and then all of a sudden he's gonna decide he wants to attack you, and you're not gonna be ready. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I beat that, and uh, I am currently on a quest to get the secret class that people had to data mine to discover. <laughs> How uh, many secret classes are there? There's a fair number. You get one for beating the game. Uh, there's mm -hmm. another one that's hidden. It's one, one of the ones I've equipped right now in the, the final area. You've got to fight <laughs> the, the last boss. Um, and there's some other ones too. One of the ones involves Going into the... You remember Joe's World? I don't know if you played that yeah. one yet. The, the sci-fi one where there's like the poison... Yeah, I watched you. I watched you guys. About, uh, yeah. You have to find a certain spot and venture into the poison fog and get to a certain point before you but die. why would I do that? Because that's where <laughs> one of the secret classes is. Rude. It's hidden out there, yeah. And there's probably more secrets in this game. I mean, there's, there's, there's all kinds of secrets. Big game. Yeah. A lot of game there. I was playing with Hollywood yesterday, and we got he got some tomb area in this the the world I'm doing right now actually that I had never seen before, <laughs> which had all kinds of secrets in it, which is pretty cool, including a puzzle where it looked like it was a jumping puzzle, but hey, it was actually there's an invisible walkway. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. No, this this game is really really good and. Uh, if it didn't come out in the year of Tears of the Kingdom, it would definitely be a serious contender for my game of the year. But uh, the best it can hope for it's now a, is a very solid runner-up. Being runner-up is a, a strong recommendation yeah. given the context. Yeah, but no, this this game's real good. Um, uh, Joe asked about like post-game. There's not. Yeah, like, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, there's like a, not a lot to do after you beat the game. That may change because I'm sure there's gonna be DLC at some point. Yeah, there will be some post. But as this. of right right now, 
just kind of like the first game, the idea is that's... The you prime. do another run and there's right. more stuff. <laughs> do another run, you'll get different bosses, different different versions of the areas. I thought there were a ton of worlds, but it's actually you're just getting... You can get like very different roles of three primary worlds. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's much less like uh, developmentally expensive to use a handful of tile sets, but have very different configurations on them. And one of them can be vastly different. That's the, uh, so the, like, the bloodborne world, which is actually also yeah. tied... That one is, like, split between that and, like, some weird fairy realm. Hmm. And depending on the role you get, that your version of that may be mostly in the fairy realm, or maybe mostly in the bloodborne area. Yeah, we've gotten, the experience, we've gotten our fair share of the Bloodborne. Yeah, the experience is pretty different depending on which one you get. That's pretty neat. Primarily, yeah. No, but so yeah, the the secret class they had the Dana Mine for, uh, I, l I got lucky in two good rolls for two of the worlds, so mm -hmm. I didn't have to like do re-roll the campaign or anything to get some of the items for it, so I actually have mm. everything now, and all I need to do is level up two classes, and then I can unlock that secret class. I don't even really know what it does, I just want to get it, because the whole idea just behind that seems cool. Yeah, so, yeah, and then the other thing you can do is adventure mode, which um, is basically... You pick a world, you get a roll of it, and you can kind of just play through that. And you can actually do that while you're in the middle of the campaign, and you can kind of go back and forth. It's not something that's like going to make you lose your progress or anything like that. It's its own separate thing. So, mm -hmm. a lot of content in this little game. And, I mean, honestly, retailing for $50, it's got a lot more stuff than a lot of games you're going to pay $70 for. So... Hmm. Uh, yeah, this game's real good. Uh, yeah, speaking of this game, there is a THQ Nordic showcase tomorrow, which I'm wondering if we may get a hint at a, another game from this same developer that could be possibly be in development. Darksiders, except the A in Darksiders is a 4. Yes. <laughs> We will see. I may live stream Please that. don't actually do that. No, don't do don't that. make the fork sliders. Yes, I may live, live stream that for the hell of it, but yeah, we'll see. Um, but after a year of um, mixed news for uh, the Embracer group, this is uh, obviously going to be a highlight. This is uh, the kind of one they need. <laughs> yes. And as far as evil mega corporations buying up everything goes, they seem to have been the less the least evil. obviously destructive. Yes, so far. Like I mean, anyone that's going to buy something like limited run games, obviously, is uh, not super bad. I guess. Hard to say, but it's one of those things where they have at least some sort of eye on making things last. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was some. There was one weird piece of uh, of news that stuck out to me. Uh, just I was just thinking about things getting physical releases, and that brought uh, this to me. 
Uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption's getting a re-release now? Oh yeah, that was weird. It came out for, of nowhere. Yeah, for Switch and PS4. And... Like, the those, those versions are out, like, within a week. And... Uh, the... Physical release for Switch is out in like October, and I'm curious how much of that will actually be on the cart. Intellectually Question. curious. Yes. Um, but there's there's a weird thing to uh, like it wasn't that weird to see it come back because it's it was kind of weird that it wasn't available in the first place, but the. I feel like the weirdest thing I've seen in response to it, and this is one of those sort of things that, of course, I would be uh, have strong opinions about, uh, is that, uh, you know, it's coming out at 50, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's probably more than I personally would want to spend, but I wasn't the hugest fan of the game on release, so that's really where my buying equation breaks down. Like, I might... I might do it just because it's like eh, it's kind of novel. Give it another shot. Who knows? The but like the response uh, to it being like, why didn't they do a remaster? And it's like, did you see the last time that they tried to do to remaster an old Rockstar game? It came out less than a year ago, and people were not happy with the choices they made for that. Nope. I feel like you should just be happy that they're just releasing the game. I yeah. I have like strong like brainworms about how like a lot of inter a lot of the way that like uh people interact with like re-releases are like the kind of person that like demanded black and white film to be colorized and it's like i know these are not one-to-one -one comparable but it's like it's okay to just release an old thing and mm -hmm. have it come out again it's okay for that to happen <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, in the case anyone's wondering about, hey, but what about Xbox? Things been backwards compatible for a long time. Yeah, it's very cheap on Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it says this area looks familiar. Yeah, this is a version of the area we were doing yesterday. I actually got the same boss area on my first run through, through the game. Relevant to the thing we were just discussing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's fine. Again, uh, Fireminer's got some questions. Yeah, relevant to the thing that we were just discussing, Fireminer just asked, is Rockstar just not in the remaster game, or don't they just have the manpower for anything other than one big project at a time? The answer is that uh, Rockstar, the, the Rockstar that, the parts of Rockstar people care about, which is to say, like, uh, whatever Angel Studios is, I think it's San Diego, and uh, North don't, they're not involved with these. They never are. Um, the GTA remasters were made by a company called, uh, I think called Grove Street, Grant, Grove Street Games, who had previously ported uh, the GTA games to like cell phones. Uh, yeah, and you know, they've done other things, but you know, with a name like Grove Street Games, which is a direct reference to GTA San Andreas, they're very much uh, like, this is just kind of the stuff they do. 
the answer is the like as with anything it's the amount of time and budget allotted for this kind of thing with the amount of time and budget being allotted for things like uh say red dead redemption there's just not there's there's not much point in trying to do a full remaster when you don't have the time and money to do it and that's inevitably like probably the it's probably for the best that they're just porting it porting it is fine uh or the xbox 360 and p3 port of san andreas uh literally was the android game well yeah because it was like that was it was using that because it was the most recent version of the code base that I believe had been ported into fucking Unity or something. So it was one of those things where it was like, that's the easiest version to work with. And it's the worst version, but it was the one that was easiest to work with. And I believe that's what the definitive editions are based off of. Yeah. Uh, talked about managing expectations with AAA and indie developers, respectively. Is there any moderate to big developer that tries to cultivate their image as an indie developer to earn marketing goodwill? Like Chuck E. Cheese cosplaying as a mom and pop dark kitchen, Supergiant Games. Some reports that said Bethesda executives still saw their multi million company, some kind of indie studio, which justified their mismanagement. I mean, I can't think of anyone that has, like, like if if you're getting into that, you're running into the issue of like. You calling eventually, if you're successful. Not clear on that. I, I wouldn't. Well, that's that's the problem, is that indie and AAA are extraordinarily messy and loose uh, definitions, and a sufficiently successful indie is going to uh, be perceived as like a prestigious developer when like and there's like messy delineations that are interacting when you use terms like uh, AAA because it's like are we talking AAA in terms of quality are we talking AAA in terms of budget like those are two very different things uh and you you run into this like i i think that there are developers that are larger than indie but very definitely not AAA and we don't have a good term for it. <laughs> uh, as a, this is one for you, Wheels. As a parent, uh, what experiences do you have that you also want your children to go through? And does it include going to Chuck E. Cheese to get food poisoning? Has anyone here ever gotten sick after going to the arcade? No, I've been to a Chuck E. Cheese in recent memory, though, and it's fine. <laughs> I I don't think I've I, to my recollection a lot of my childhood memories are deeply murky. Uh, I don't recall ever getting sick after going to an arcade. Bearing in mind that most American arcades that weren't Charles Entertainment cheeses were uh, they they weren't places you ate food. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean I, th I think. An arcade is a fun experience for kids to have, just because it's a lot of games you can't play elsewhere and flashing lights and fun noises. <laughs> but I'm also not the parent here. <laughs> you I mean, will? Um... Yeah. <laughs> 
Chuck E. Cheese kind of sucked. Actually, honestly, the pizza was kind of the best part in Chuck E. Cheese. There's too many modern arcades. It's just like, oh, it's these stupid... It's either... There's either here's a, a phone game. Here's the phone game. Here's a million different fucking claw games. Or here's some stupid shit to get tickets to buy worthless prizes. Oh, you I can't believe you would say this about the spider ring. Uh, I mean, I actually did get a pretty good... Uh, Rick and Morty coffee mug. The last time I was at Dave and Buster's with friends. Nice. Twenty years from now, that would be analyzed and found to contain like twenty percent cadmium. Uh, Lovely. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I uh, I remember there was a there was a small chain of arcades uh, in Oregon. I think there might be a couple in Washington called Wonderland. That was kind of a place that I'm glad that my brother's daughters got to see. Because Wonderland was this weird-ass arcade where they charged a nominal admission fee, but also all of the machines were set to run on nickels instead of quarters. The fuck? Uh, so, like, the the idea was that, like, they had charged more of an upfront fee, but actually playing games was a lot cheaper. Mm. And they... Back the last time I visited in the early 10s, they were still very committed to importing weird arcade machines. <laughs> so I, I definitely played some weird stuff that I would, had never seen in any other American arcade because some of them were weird untranslated Japanese arcade games or things that you would only get if you were still buying arcade machines from weird Japanese distributors in the early 10s, like Sega Golden Gun. Uh... Or the time that I saw, like, a Fist of the North Star arcade machine that had, like, these plastic targets that you were supposed to punch with plastic gloves on the machine. Nice. It was an extremely strange object, but I very much appreciated it. Very cool. Uh, the fuck? He's got a cheap one. Congrats. Oh, 50,000 scrap collector. Nice. Uh, let's see... Uh, weird question. Do you ever see Lego games as potential substitutes for real Sega Lego sets for your kids? Back in my day, the cost of genuine Lego sets was murder. Back in your day? You mean the present day? I don't know what, uh, I don't know what Fireminer's Day is, but, yeah. I mean, uh, they're actually, depending, like the bigger sets that your children probably dream of yes, the, the, are... the ones that your kids like uh, kind of like stare at longingly in the yes, store <laughs> but the, the the smaller ones are rel relatively not too bad and honestly minecraft lego as weird of an idea as that those are the most affordable sets which is kind of cool fascinating because fascinating. kids still love minecraft so to be hey, able bro. to get some cool big lego sets on the cheaper is it's nice appreciate that. I don't know why they're cheaper. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I don't know. Potentially the parts are less bespoke. Yes. Minecraft uh, is terrible. What? I, I do not care to have a Minecraft discussion right now. We're not going to have it. Terrible Joe. Okay. Just stuff. I'm uh, being a troll. I know you are. That's, that's, that's my I'm job. Okay, I want to, speaking of, now that you're here, there was one question from you that we do need to give back to. Oh, it's... We do? The post-game one? 
No, no, we discussed that. Oh, there was the Final Fantasy 16 one? Yeah, well, you go back to finish FF16. It's on the... It's something I mean to do. I have a bone to pick with Final Fantasy 16. I'm going to do it now. Oh, but I didn't mean to start a whole other discussion. No, no, it's going to be on again. It it will be short. It's going to be very short. Okay. Okay. I haven't touched it since uh, the last time we talked about it. Uh, Okay, go ahead. Listen, listen, Final Fantasy 16. I get it. Slavery bad. You're making a story about that. But making a side quest where I go and meet comically, like, comically villainous people that are supposed to ram this home doesn't really do it. It just is kind of dumb. So I, I ran into the side quest where some dude, like, demands you go... Help us oh, is this the wolf quest? Is yes. this the fucking wolf quest? This is the God damn. Quest. This, this stupid dude demands you go help his son with a wolf, where he's at. You're actually supposed to go he's and like, get oh, murdered by the wolf. Son. And it's just yeah. Like, this is and then the happy fuck? ending to this quest is this man and his child being eaten by a wolf. Yes. Like, the game is like the game considers this to be like ah uh, the they're just desserts and it's like one of these is a ten year old fuck you yeah, like what what did, what stunted sense of morality caused this what, quest what is this like it's, you oh my god yeah I, I don't. yeah I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna truncate myself to a couple to like a minute and say I intend to get back to it I think the game is honestly really boring for a large portion of its runtime uh but the the thing that ultimately like actually pisses me off when i'm playing it is that it's it's dealing with a concept as uh, uh, repeatedly as you know important uh, like as as how to describe this as, as sensitive as slavery like that is there's a very big subject that yes. deals with a lot of the darkest aspects of humans and it has the like it, it has as much moral introspection on that theme as like a 10 year old and it's honestly insulting yeah uh, and I'll get into that more when I have finished it, and we're un- and I decide to unleash the seal, and we just have a proper discussion of the full game. Uh, but yeah, so that is my <laughs> that, is, that is like one of the many things that is keeping me from prioritizing finishing yes. it. But yes. it will get I will get back to it. I, I want to contrast this to an actual nuance take that I saw on a show on this, and this is mm-hmm. like this is a much better way. To, to show how all this was fucked up. So there's a show called Outlander. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the show. I've heard the name. I don't know anything about yes. it. So it has to do with a, a lady goes back in time, falls in love with someone in Scotland, blah, blah, blah. Eventually they end up in America, okay? Mm-hmm. This is oh. like five seasons in, yes. And they end up at his, this Scotlander's aunt's house who owns a mm-hmm. plantation in... Uh, I think North Carolina or South Carolina. Anyway, so yes, the there is obviously a depiction of slavery here, and you know, obviously these characters, which were shown as good and moral throughout the show, are very disgusted. And you know, this, this aunt wants to leave the farm to this, the Scotland guy, and he wants to let 
the slaves go and they go through a, a whole explanation of how well the law doesn't let you do that unless you can prove that the slave like saved your life mm-hmm. and then like all the other implications of oh if you let all these slaves go what is you know this these are all the implications for the community as a whole and it's like oh wow this is deeply deeply effed up and it goes and it's uh yeah and it's uh yeah not not as not simple and it's a realistic depiction of like slavery in america you don't normally see because it's you normally picked it i don't know you you hold it at arm's length yes you hold it arm's length this is bad blah 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 and like it is bad. It is always bad. That is not a useful take on it because like the the useful take is understanding the the notion that people live with uh essentially monstrous systems. Yes. And to understand that people just how people justify that to themselves because that is the the ugliness that still lives with us. Yes. And I and, probably described that very poorly, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that's what you were getting at. Yes. So I was kinda, and, and that is the problem with FF16's depiction of slavery, is that it has no meaningful introspection about what, like, it, it, it has nothing to say other than that slavery is bad. And like that is, like yes, okay, yes. good. You are you are saying a bad thing is bad. You have nothing else to say on it, and it is like a full half of the game's primary theme. Yes. And showing all these people like, oh, treating slaves as inhuman. Yes, I guarantee you, there are lots of people that did that. I don't think most people it's... looked at it that way because most people are good at their core. <laughs> And 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 but but even if even if we ignore that, like the actual core element here is that the broaching of the subject is creates the situation where it's like if the only kind of if the only two kinds of people you see, the only two kinds that the game cares to depict are people who are. Uh, direct beneficiaries who are comically evil and have absolutely uh, nothing uh, have have no redeeming qualities, and they exist as uh, yeah, and and that sort of person naturally in a system like that does exist. Mm-hmm. But and the other kind of person that you ever see in the game is people who are like this is bad and should not happen, and it fails to color in like the notion of a society that ultimately accepts evil within itself in order to uh receive certain like comforts and there's this this failure to grapple with like any sort of societal response to evil systems Mm -hmm. and that is just just complete failure you you do not grapple with uh with a, a theme as like as sensitive as slavery and not have anything to say when that is so much of your game. What is this? Uh, FF16. Uh, 
This reminds but, me yeah, of our uh, issues with uh, a certain Assassin's Creed. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're closing the book on that for a bit because we're, we're going to have a much longer, yes, yes. much worse. Um, and I see that question, Fireminer, and in a personal context, I would be glad to talk about it, but in an RPG Gamer podcast co context, I am putting it away because it is uh, just just a uh, just a little too sensitive for that. Um, so moving on, um, I did not mention what I've been playing. It's not that interesting, but I'll move on. I'll do it quick before moving on. I am uh, about. To my recollection, probably about two thirds, three quarters of the way through my dual FF4, 2D, and 3D playthroughs, uh, I have just gotten to the point where it's like, oh, we need to go to the underground to find the dark crystals. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, f fairly far along. Uh, I'd been I'd been thinking about it like just trying to engage with the game as much as possible. And one of the things that I noticed uh, that I'd never actually spared much thought for was that like FF4 is all about its like dualities. It's, it's dark and light dualities. You have uh, yeah. like, of course, most exemplified by Cecil himself, uh, who starts as a dark knight and becomes a paladin as uh, a, uh, as a literalization of his attempts at redemption because of all the massacres at the beginning of the game. Blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. And that was one way uh, to I, start a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty brutal when you actually try to think about the implications of like, oh yeah, you just killed a whole shit ton of innocent people. That's wild. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the thing that I was thinking about was that uh, because the game loves its contrasts, uh, it it caused me to think about like uh, how that that it, one of its uh, one of the dualities that I'd never really taken as a duality, but is absolutely intended as one, is uh, how uh, Cecil and Kane's feelings for Rosa uh, color their interactions, where Cecil is, in this sense, the light version of, uh, you know, a, a fairly selfless uh, and reciprocated love, versus Kane, who his his jealousy causes him to become uh to under like his jealous love causes him to uh undertake the worst aspects of his personality and you know commit some of the worst uh things that he ever does it's just kind of interesting like oh yeah that duality is uh found in a lot of places that are slightly less literal than the uh dark knight paladin thing just something i was thinking about but, yeah, been been enjoying it. Mostly done. I wanted to pop in Divinity Original Sin 2, but could not find it. <laughs> well, hopefully it turns up eventually. Yeah, I'd feel bad actually not being able to, at the very least, find that, because that was a gift from Wheels, and it was very kind of him. No problem. It's actually easy to find at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was still very kind of you to send, so, you know. Uh, Fireminer just brought up a question about Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is terrible. Uh, <laughs> the, Marvel, the Marvel TV shows have been generally quite good, all of them. 
Uh, but see, Secret Invasion was terrible. It's like absolute garbage. Do not waste your time on it. Like I, I, I can't imagine it's, taking. It's maybe the only one I haven't heard anyone stump for. <laughs> no, like I can't imagine mm -hmm. taking a cool, such a cool storyline from the comics and making it any worse. Like what the fuck? <laughs> One of the things that it, it always struck me as a weird one to adapt, not because it's not an interesting story, but because it's also, but because while it's an interesting story, it's also obviously a vehicle to insert retcons. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was that, that's just a weird choice to uh, pull into the MCU. Yeah, I I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get that, and listen, I know people love the Civil War movie. I don't like how they did that. <laughs> the movie's fine, but I think that's a waste of a really cool storyline. No one can. You mean Captain America piece. Civil War? Yes, I don't. I don't like what they did with that. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember the... when they announced it, I'm like, that doesn't. Like, I didn't read the comic, but I'm like, I thought the comic was everybody. I thought it had X-Men and everybody in it, and it's like, what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, the there's some plot really lines cool. that are difficult to pull off in the MCU just because they don't have the support behind it. The there's no way for them to get the support behind it. The comic was really cool, and also, hey, guess what caused all of that? Could yeah. it have been scrolls? Yes. But they never bothered with that either. I don't know. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird about Secret Invasion. I'm like, okay, so every character can potentially be a scroll now? I mm -hmm. what? I think they only can they only committed to one person being a scroll, but yes. they committed to him being a scroll for so fucking long that it's a weird choice. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't understand. Like, it's understand. like, oh, 90% of this character's actual interactions and development were secretly a scroll for some reason. <laughs> I don't uh, care, just, was... give me, just give me Loki Season 2. I don't, mm -hmm. don't want to think about Secret Invasion anymore. <laughs> okay, well then, well, I have a new computer here that I'm trying to get set up. Mm -hmm. Somebody okay. tell me how to get the hell out of S-Mode. The hell is S-Mode? Um... That means it's a thing with Microsoft that won't let me do it. Download anything that's not on the Microsoft Store. Oh, probably some sort of safe mode, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's is um means quote unquote a new computer, but it's a refurbished, and apparently it's running yeah. a, something a little older. And um, yeah, it will not let me actually install Firefox. Um, if it can't, it keeps, it keeps telling me to that I need to get out of S mode, and when I try to get out of S mode, it's saying, "Are you really sure you want to do this?" And I'm like, "Yes, I am quite sure I want to do this," and I'm trying to get out of it. And um, I just had to reboot my computer because for some reason, um, actual brain stopped working. Okay, but yeah, it sounds like reinstalling Windows. Just, no, just open up your Firefox browser and download. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, this is something that part of the reason that it's so uh, persnickety about this is that for whatever reason, this is a one-way thing. Once it leaves S mode, it can't go back. So it is, it, I attempted to take it out of S mode, mm -hmm. 
says, update Microsoft Store to switch out of S mode. I attempted to do this, and it stopped working. Well, that's bad. I had to reboot yeah. the computer. Hmm. Yeah, I can't help you if it's just going to break. <laughs> They're saying you I'm go like, to settings, system activation, and you can turn it off there, but like you just said it. Huh. Yeah, really yeah if it... Here we go here. Just uh, yeah, settings. It... Yeah, settings, then system, then activation. S settings, system, or is activation? There, activation. I don't asked about turning off UAC. User account oh. control? I don't think that'll oh. fix anything it's... for this SMO thing. It's not user account control. What the hell is it? Uh, uh, I forget. What you have to go to the store like. and exit S mode. It says right here, and it's making it really annoying to do this. On the switch out of S mode page that appears, I'm going to select the get button. Okay. It's, the way it's the way it's arranged and worded, it looks. I mean, the get button makes you think that it's not to do that. Okay. Get button seems to imply that they want you to actually buy a new license. Yeah. But you don't have to. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to reinstall Windows 11 the other day. Well, I didn't have to because it didn't actually fix my problem, but. <laughs> I noticed that for some reason during the reinstall, um, it didn't reinstall Edge properly, so I couldn't open it to go download Firefox or Chrome or anything, but then I was able to just do it through the Windows Store instead. So I'm like, fine, I don't, I don't want to use Edge anyways, fine. Yeah. Why? It's just Chrome. Yeah. I don't want to use Chrome either. Okay. Well, then... well, Chrome is the thing that's currently giving me so much problems on my first computer here. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, no, um, it's, it's becoming a worse browser by the moment. <laughs> yeah, just I download mean, um, the uh, all those non-Chromium-based browsers, uh, Firefox and um, there aren't any. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Uh, Safari. Safari, yeah. if you have a Mac. So, fuck Macs. Yeah. <laughs> Does that do anything for you, Gaijin? Oh, it's working you're, now. You've turned. You're also buzzing robot. now. Are you an AI? Yeah, generated Joe. Who's buzzing? What? You're buzzing. You. You're a robot. Oh. Okay. You're you're a robot. Right. Well, I hang on. I logged into Twitch on the Chromebook so I could get my Prime sub because it's the only way to do it. Yay! Called Legion for we are many. Yeah. So that should have come up in chat. I don't know. Yeah, maybe my internet's just like, hey, you're doing too many things at once, even though I'm 800 megabits. Uh, Fireminer Fire here has asked a question directly for Joe, I think. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Has anyone here tried to reflash the VGA BIOS? It sometimes helps with compatibility or increasing the clock speed of the cards. A lot of cheaper cards have pretty much the same innards as the more exp expensive ones. I know nothing about this. Sounds like black yeah, magic. completely, completely outside my wheelhouse. It's reminding me of when I remember seeing like Digital Foundry doing tests about installing games directly onto a video card, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? What does that mean? Why, why <laughs> would this thing you can do? What? 
In certain contexts, kind of. Uh, what? I don't. I don't understand it. Okay. I, I want games. I, I I want hardware to play games. I do not want hardware for the sake of hardware. So I'm I'm a bad choice for this. <laughs> Take me out, coach. Oh, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going backwards. I'm good at this game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how one would flash VGA BIOS, but I'm sure. I'm sure. All I know it's... is, actually, I do. I do have a story here. Um, oh no. So, I got um. Yeah, you know, we've all done it, right? We've all connected our computer to the TV and tried to use Steam's big picture mode and sit on the other side of the room in a nice, comfy chair with our Bluetooth controller. And what always fucking happens? At some point, you you need the mouse or the keyboard. Something fucks up, right? You got it. You can't hit Control Alt Delete. You can't click on something. Some, it wants you to enter text. So I finally have a Bluetooth mouse, Bluetooth keyboard. My computer's hooked up to the TV. I'm on the other side of the room, and I'm thinking, cool. I finally beat it. I finally beat the system. And it's like. NVIDIA pop-up comes up. Hey, there's a new driver available. I'm like, cool, I can just click on it with my mouse. I don't have to go back over to the computer. And it installs the driver, and then I get a black screen. Good and no amount of clicking or keyboard hits fixed it. And I'm like, son of a bitch. So I still had to go over to the fucking computer and reset it manually. And I'm like, wow, okay. I like. I thought I finally... Like, I thought I won, but I didn't. House always wins. Um, so, so no, then when he says, so a, a lot of cheaper cards are pretty much the same innards as the more expensive ones. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the same model of a graphics card from different manufacturers, then yes, that is true. It's that the prices are all over the place. And usually they're just charging you to get an extra, like a third fan to keep it cool or something. Or maybe it's overclocked right out of the box. But yeah, I have seen a lot of cheap generic Chinese brands on like Newegg and I, I wouldn't trust them though. I'm sure their craftsmanship is probably not as good if they're charging that much less, you know. Mm. So, that money's like, got to come from somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, I, I got the uh, NVIDIA Founders Edition, which is supposed to be top of the line, supposed to be the best one you can get from NVIDIA, because it's mm. the one they make in-house. Um, and I noticed there were other models that were actually more expensive because they had three fans instead of two, or they were overclocked out of the box. But let me tell you, this thing doesn't need to be overclocked, and it stays below, like, 62 degrees Celsius at all times on, like, default settings. So, I don't know. Whatever. My computer does things. If it does <laughs> things I don't expect, I throw it against a wall. That's the extent of our relationship. Uh... <laughs> My computer currently takes two to three minutes to wake up out of sleep mode. I think you should install That's Linux rough. on it. Oh god. No, no I, I mean, like, literally, it goes too deep into sleep mode, I have to plug it in and hold down the power button for two to three minutes before it decides to turn back on. Oh, that's not good. Fire miner, that's on computer. Fire miner contextualizes by saying, I'm talking about stuff like, uh, released by Pollet. Where they software throttle the same card into different models in various price ranges, rebadging engineer. Uh, God, that reminds me of uh, fucking uh, Tesla did something similar with the amount of uh, battery uh, that your car had access oh. to. Oh. X gonna give it to you. X gonna take it away from you. Um, True. But 
Yeah, uh, I think they actually got sued into oblivion over that. Good. Okay, you know, now I understand what what he meant. I didn't know that companies did that. And Pala is one of the name brands I was talking about. Like, I saw one of those, and I'm like, I don't trust that. Like, <laughs> I'm a name brand kind of guy, I guess. Maybe I'm a sucker, but you know what? I want the Sapphire card. I want the XFX. I want the, you know what I mean? I want the Asus products. I want the Nintendo, not the Nintendo. <laughs> It's, Did you uh, see The Simpsons uh, when Burns was playing a Wii knockoff no. and it was nope. a Call of Duty game no. and he was like, um, he, he makes it, basically I think he was playing as like an American and he was shooting Nazis and he says to Smithers, oh, I'm on the wrong side, aren't I? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> My shells worked, damn it. It's <laughs> uh, horrible. Uh, what was I gonna say something about it? You know, if car companies really cared about the environment, or, or rather, yeah, if car companies really cared about the environment, then wouldn't the electric cars be cheaper than the gas-powered ones? I don't get it. Let's let's not. That's too much. Are they actually better for oh, okay. the environment? Uh, oh um, yeah, that's there's uh, complications with that too. Yeah, they gotta get energy's gotta come from somewhere. And nickel from somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's move on, because this is depressing. Yeah, this is a RPG podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. so, who wants to talk about Baldur's Gate 3? I want to, but I can't get play it yet. I don't have it. <laughs> oh. I can't muster any interest, I'm sorry. Why not? Not because it's you bad it or anything, I'm just... You played it too much in Early Access, didn't you? No, I didn't actually play it that much in Early Access. I think oh. he's just not in the mood for that kind of game. Yeah, I'm just not, not, I have no interest in, I've been playing Remnant, I have no interest in dialing the pace from like 1,000 down to like 5. No thank you. I'm, I'm very cool. interested in seeing, in playing Baldur's Gate 3 on deck as soon as I can spare some cash, but my money is currently very spoken for. Yep. Well, here's the thing. One of the reasons I just got that Bluetooth keyboard was so I could play mouse and keyboard games, you know, across the room on the TV. And it turns out Baldur's Gate 3 actually has full controller support, and they did a good job with it. So I'm like, huh. Original, Sin, Original Sin 2 had good controller support, uh, except that it still had, like, that fucking hotbar interface. But apparently that's gone, because now the when you're in controller mode, it uses like radio menus like a yes. civilized game <laughs> it it's actually very similar to like dragon age i would say yeah i yeah. heard that basically once once that's all done up it's basically you're just you're basically just playing dragon age and it's like oh i could do that i played some dragon age <laughs> recently i can do that yeah so so i was using the controller i played it for a couple hours i made a new character and I, I couldn't figure out how to multi-class before, but with the controller, I bring up the level up menu and you just press one button and you can add an additional class instead of leveling up the one you currently have. Which so is like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's like Neverwinter Nights did that. You could do up to three classes that way. And then, mm -hmm. you, but you were really, remember in that game, you really had to plan out if you wanted to do like a prestige class. You had to make sure you made all the right choices every level up. Yeah, because um, Neverwinter would have been three E rules, which were a little more stringent on that, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, so I started a second character. This time I decided to do a forest gnome bard, and they get the talk to animals spell to start with, 
So I'm like, all right, this is neat. And then when I found out how to uh, multi-class, I decided to do ranger. So I'm a bard ranger, and I, whatever choices I made, I can now summon a familiar without, like, I can use the spell without using a spell slot for it. I'm like, oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. So I can just keep summoning familiars, and I can talk to all the animals, and um, so that that's actually been pretty fun to do to do that. And because I'm thinking like. Well, gee, like, if I pick School of Valor as a level 3 bard, if I specialize in that, I get medium armor, marsh, martial weapons, and shield proficiencies. I ran a... what's the... there's like a school that gives you, like, half proficiency on everything. I forget um, what that one's... Well, there's School of Lore just gives you extra proficiencies and skills, but then School of Valor... Yeah. And then I'm just thinking of my five E characters. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and well, the thing is, I have the player's handbook, and it just has those two in it. But the the it's game like they added guide to everything and a few other uh, source books that have added more to these. Oh, okay, that that makes sense because they added a, a school of sword. I'm like, oh, that's not in my handbook. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, but what I found out is that when you, I, I don't know which is it, but when you have a gnome with only 8 strength, it doesn't let mm-hmm. you... You can't do any damage with most martial weapons. Like It oh. turns out. <laughs> you've got a lot of things working against you in that context. And so I was, do they not have something like finesse weapon where you can do dexterity to damage? There's probably, so there's probably a feat that will fix that. Yeah, so I have 16 okay, in dexterity. Be like I, yeah, actually, um, I already have a 16 in dexterity. And mm. I can use finesse weapons, no problem. I can use a rapier or a short sword. Um, but when I, yeah, so when I tried to get martial weapons, it was like, oh, I can't do, I, I'm, I'm doing zero to seven damage with like a long sword or something. It's like, oh, that's not going to work. So then that's when I decided, I thought instead of doing that specialization, I'm going to add ranger, because then at least I'll get medium armor, I'll get shield proficiency, and I'm going to be ranged and I'm, I might do get archery or something I think you can get at some point. So I'm like, okay, let, let's do this instead, you know? I've got high dexterity, high charisma. Um, let's focus on just being a ranged bard, but now I can wear medium armor, now I can use a shield for extra AC. Um, and then j- just playing around a little bit, I was able to give myself, like, I tried to give myself heavy armor proficiency when I was picking ranger, and it's like, no, um... You can, yeah, you can equip That's it, not but... That's what rangers are for. <laughs> no, and and the problem is is that it eliminates your dexterity bonus, so I got no yeah. AC bonus from wearing the heavy armor. I'm like, okay, so the the choice I went with is I'm going to be a bard and a ranger, but then I'm going to do school of lore because I don't need the... Now I don't need the medium armor proficiency or the shield proficiency, and I can't benefit from the martial weapons proficiency so it's like okay i I think and and so far i like this character better than my first character which was just a straight up paladin um so with my paladin i gave him an eight in intelligence and wisdom Mm -hmm. so i was failing all these skill checks and then he only had 10 in dexterity so even though he had a lot of hit points he's getting hit more often because his ac is low and it's like oh Mm -hmm. yeah the first characters are always kind of a throwaway, so I, I think I'm going to stick with my Bard Ranger at this point. Um, but I did get through 
a very difficult fight. I went into like a cave full of spiders. No, no, and no, no, no. And no. they can teleport. And they can spit AOE globs of poison at my characters. And it's like, Sounds you gotta fun. be fucking kidding me. I'm uninstalling. And then, I find, and then I find this giant mother spider. No. And she can summon <laughs> little spider. She summons little tiny teleporting spiders that surround your characters and bite them to death. It's like, what the fuck? And after three or four tries, I actually won the fight. And everybody was almost dead and poisoned and everything, but I won. Hooray. And make sure you hit that F5 key before and after every combat encounter. Is that short rest or...? Uh, quick save. Oh, quick save. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, um, but... So, I'm having, I, I am having fun with it. Yeah, there's some very difficult fights, but um, and, and there's times where you just fail skill checks, and it's like, oh, well, that sucks. And then you have to decide if you want to reload a save or just accept the outcome. I always prefer yeah. to accept the unless it's something horrible. Unless it's something that gets yeah. yeah. One of the one of, one of the things that can make a game fun is having uh, interesting outcomes from failure. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons I thought Disco Elysium was so good. But uh, can I say something about that? Yeah, I feel like when I get the game, hopefully sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm gonna probably try running uh, Hexblade Warlock. So that gives me an excuse to dump a shit ton of points into Charisma. Gives me, you know, the ability to run melee, but also you get the Eldritch Blast. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty good that's that's a pretty uh, good all arounder attacking class, I would say. So. That's probably what I'll be attempting. My bard um, has a 17 charisma. So another thing I figured out is... Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Um, we'll get to no, that um, in a second. <laughs> what I noticed is during character creation, like so at level 1, you can get one stat up to 17 and another stat up to 16. You can't go higher than that. Like There's no way you can get an 18 in any stat at level 1. Mm -hmm. Um... So, since I had a 17 in Charisma, I'm like, well, gee, I could multi-class as a Warlock or Sorcerer. But I thought, well, that's actually kind of redundant. I can already cast spells, you know. And then since I have the 16 in Dexterity, I thought maybe I could multi-class as a Rogue, and then I don't have to use the other Rogue that they give you. I could just disarm traps and stuff. But I thought, but that's also kind of redundant. I can already do that and i just thought doing the ranger just gave me more capabilities and mm -hmm. and i can i can dual wield hand crossbows which is fun so mm. yeah so, so I, i'm a ranged ranger bard i can summon i can talk to the animals i can summon talk the animals the animal, talk <laughs> with the animal. time for this bird to fly <laughs> so and did you know there's a way to play baldur's gate 3 as entirely turn-based, even when you're not in combat. And I'm like, oh god, that no. 
No, I don't know why that. you would do that when you aren't in combat. When you're in combat, that's exactly what I want. When you're not in combat, I have no desire to have turn-based overworld exploration. No, I, I was like, I turned it on for like a minute. I'm like, oh no, no, we're not doing this. I'm just, I'm just glad to play a Baldur's Gate that is not blighted by uh, default real-time with pauses combat. Yes. Dreadful that compromise. Why I could never finish Pathfinder's computer game. Start it for that matter. I just could not mm -hmm. keep up. I still need to try uh, Pillars of Eternity too, since that introduced a full turn-based mode. It second, did. Didn't the second Pathfinder game do the same thing? Wrath of the Righteous. Yeah. Not uh, sure. I think I think it does because that that has a whole bunch of things where you can sort of turn on and off certain parts of it. Because like the thing that scares me off of Pathfinder, the Pathfinder games, is that they have like huge like kingdom management shit, and I'm not mm. like a management game kind of guy. Yeah. But apparently you can turn that off, and I think you can make the combat turn-based, which would probably make it a little more palatable to me, but Baldur's Gate 3 sounds more my speed to begin with, so I'll get around to Pathfinder one of these yeah. decades. Uh. Personally, I prefer real-time with pause, but I acknowledge that the turn-based, of course, is closer to an actual game of D&D, &D, so... That would be my disclaimer for people, is Baldur's Gate 3 is not really a sequel to 2 at all. It's, it's a sequel you know, to Divinity Original Sin 2. <laughs> yeah, so without the D&D &D rule set and the Forgotten Realms setting, it would be Divinity Original Sin 3. Um, and that's not, you know, there's nothing wrong it's with that. It's not a bad so, thing. Yeah, it's so, just set your expectations. <laughs> right. Three. So 3 is not a direct sequel to 2, and it but it is it plays out more like a real game of D D, which you may you may love it or that may infuriate you um and so it, it kind of yeah it feels like kind of a mix of like neverwinter nights and divinity original sin to me in a good way mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. now if you're looking for a true spiritual successor to baldur's gate 2 or icewind dale 2 then you'd want to check out pillars of eternity um mm -hmm. and pillars of eternity 2 yes i originally when it first came out and I bought it, I played just on the regular mode, and turn base was added as a later update, and then I made a new character to try that out, and each has its pros and cons. It's like there are some mm -hmm. fights that take forever in turn base mode. Like, when you're on your pirate ship, and mm -hmm. you get attacked by another pirate ship, and there's like 20 pirates trying to board you, then you then turn based is like oh shit like it takes like an hour to do like one fight it's crazy mm -hmm. um but it uh, they did a good job with it though i will say mm -hmm. so they, like, they did the best oh, they could given what the really? what the encounters yeah. they'd already made were yeah so there but there are some fights it's like oh this is a doozy <laughs> I think you know? uh, I think Obsidian's next game, the like, is the fantasy one, actually takes place in the Pillars of Eternity setting. It does, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I I liked what I played of Pillars of Eternity one, despite my distaste for the real time with pauses thing. Like the the thing with real time with pauses for me is just that I am bad at pausing at times that are useful. Like, usually by the time I pause, the thing I was trying to react to has already happened. And so, for me, like, the reason I prefer turn-based is just, I would like to just be able to react to things as they happen. And when I was trying, when I try to play, like, Baldur's Gate in its original form, it just runs into this issue of, like, 
Okay, uh, the fight either went really well because I got good rolls and it just sort of played out how you'd hoped, or uh, I'm trying to recover from having been hit by something that I wish I had paused to react to but wasn't able to. <laughs> In Baldur's Gate 1, the original version, not Enhanced mm -hmm. Edition, if you, if you play as a wizard on the default difficulty wizard. and you and you have a 10 in constitution that means fucking killed you may start with only one hit point it can happen so that was also yeah. when that was also that obnoxious period where they were like trying to simulate rolling a character so you had to fucking uh it was there was like a tax on how much you were willing to on how you could be really strong at the start if you were just willing to re-roll your stats over and over and over yeah and like this is stupid like it encourages system. that behavior it encourages the worst i worst yeah. kind of behavior yeah. <laughs> uh i remember yeah. There were there were Lewis scripts or you know whatever other script you wanted to use, but there were scripts that you could use that would just they were just auto rollers where the thing would detect what numbers you had gotten and like it would just keep re-rolling until it got numbers that were past certain thresholds that you would input and it's like okay that's a solution it sucks it shouldn't exist uh, point point by is just the the correct choice for a single player video game yes. Uh, it's the correct choice for the actual game too. I, I would argue that there's there are potentially groups that would enjoy rolling yeah, characters probably. if they were willing to live with the roles yeah. that they got. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if it, you know, the, I, I would argue that you definitely you would want to offer rolling characters as like a variant rule rather than the default. Yeah. So three just gives you a certain number of points to work with. Yeah, just you know, point and, by. Yeah, and then it, it hints that, oh, okay, you might want to have high strength. You might want to put the 17 into strength or whatever. Um, but like, but it's, so designing a character is very different in this one. So making a paladin in the old games, you couldn't go below either 12 or 13 in wisdom and you couldn't go below like 15 or 16 because in there were like thresholds for what was yeah who was eligible to take a class well and that too and, and so in the original game you had to be a human lawful good to play paladin hmm. and good luck with those stats because like you know you, you wanted 18 in strength so you could actually hit stuff you wanted 18 in dexterity to get the AC bonus. You wanted the 16 in constitution to get plus two hit points every level, you know. And then they, you can dump intelligence, but you couldn't dump wisdom or charisma. You, you yeah. were dependent on a lot of stats, so you needed to roll repeatedly until you had a good number in a number in like all of these stats. Yeah. And meanwhile, if you wanted to play like a wizard, it's like, okay, if you can get 18 intelligence. Yeah, eighteen intelligence and sixteen constitution. You're you're fine. <laughs> if you were an extraordinarily buff wizard, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You know the, that old D and D cruft that took years and years for them to finally like clean out. Yeah. Uh, and like you didn't in like Baldur's Gate two, you didn't really need charisma. Like, what would happen is. If you had, like, 
if you had an evil character in your party and you kept doing good things, they might decide to leave the party. So a higher charisma, <laughs> right? A higher charisma <laughs> would prevent that from happening. So the thing is, mm -hmm. well, like Edwin is evil, but he's the best wizard in the game. Viconia is evil, but she's the best cleric in the game. You know, but what would happen is, okay, well, I want to be a good character because if I do good deeds, my reputation goes up and then items are cheaper. There's just a multitude so, of things that are beneficial to being good, even if you don't want to play good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but, that, but that really, that was all you needed charisma for, really. So if you were a good character and you had a six good or neutral people in your party, you'd, you could dump charisma to three. It didn't make a damn bit of difference. But now charisma is actually the spell modifier for... Um, paladins, bards, a number of a number sorcerers, charisma, yeah. So I found it really interesting when I'm making these two characters. Like, oh gee, like I can't just the stats you care about are very different. <laughs> yeah, and and it's so it was more challenging to make a character, but at the same time, it's like you couldn't just min and max like you could in the older games. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's a real uh, strategy to making a character now that wasn't present in the first two games i would say mm -hmm. so just by dint of being a more modern version of dnd that has a very different character building philosophy yeah i remember what was it? yeah this just reminded me of like fucking planescape torment is a game where like 95 percent of the uh 95% of relevant action is going to occur in dialogue and it's going to involve uh, speech checks and even in that charisma is a dump stat yep <laughs> because 95% like the vast majority of useful dialogue checks come from the wisdom stat actually I'm, I'm noticing that's kind of true in Baldur's Gate 3 as well yeah mm -hmm. So when I put, so I'm a paladin with an eight in wisdom, and it's like he's Oof. just failing checks that are just like, oh, that shouldn't be happening. God's favorite dipshit paladin. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So, but then I was gonna say, like, I like what Pillars of Eternity did because they came up with their own rule set. They had that's... slightly fewer total stats, and like they affected th yeah. much weirder things. I remember like one of the <laughs> what what stuck out to me when I was making my first character in Pillars of Eternity was the game making it clear barbarians need high wisdom. <laughs> so, like, basically might is your damage stat, no matter what type of damage it is. Yeah. Whereas in intelligence affected your the radius of AoE abilities and the duration of spell effects. So, basically, you... So if you're playing a wizard, you actually wanted high might and you didn't really need intelligence. Whereas a barbarian or paladin, you know, you could dump might and give them high intelligence so that their auras reach further. And and barbarians, like, by default, their basic attacks are AoE and can mm -hmm. do splash damage. And so if you increase the radius, they can hit more enemies. They so, become much yeah. more of a crowd control class. So that's what you wanted. You wanted a smart barbarian and a dumb wizard, basically. <laughs> it was it was very much a it was built on D and D's bones, but it was designed to be used in video game combat, and that was yes, 
Yeah, that was one of the things that was nice about Pillars of Eternity is that like you still had that sort of flavor of how you would construct a character, but it was in a system that was very much built for video games rather than tabletop. Yeah, and I made a spellcaster and I think I dumped I dumped one of the stats I didn't think I needed and mm-hmm. it was the one that affects accuracy and I didn't realize oh, that no. spells right spells have accuracy. <laughs> So I'm like, all my spells are missing, and 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 um, so then Baldur's Gate three does that too, though. I didn't realize now spells have accuracy, whereas in one and two, the one good thing about you know wizards and sorcerers was that their spells like never missed. There could be a saving throw, there could be damage resistance, but they never missed. You know, mm-hmm. um, like magic missile would always hit them, and the only way to avoid damage on that was if they had, um, you know magic resistance which of course was a pain in the ass when you're in the underdark trying to fight drow you know <laughs> and yeah but then in one and two if you recruit viconia you instantly lose two to reputation because she's drow so mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in this game this game you can recruit any character you want nobody gives a shit but but of course everybody's racist in Baldur's gate 3 anyways you know <laughs> so you're talking to a you walk up to a, a tiefling and they're like Hey, get out of here, Drow, and take that good Yankee with you. Someone hurt you, because this is the third time you've mentioned that. I, know. I, I don't blame I know. you, but someone hurt you. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, the, the notion of like what tabletop rule sets actually adapt well to games and what ones don't. Uh, and what kinds of compromises you have to make. Uh, Fireminer quickly asked in the chat, will we ever get an Exalted video game? And my answer would be, uh, get back to me after we finally actually see Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 come out. <laughs> oh, also, really? Also, Pew said that Anthem's seeming really fun after hearing about this game. Uh, not assuming he's referring to Baldur's Gate 3, I don't know. Anthem sucks. Yeah. That's when he posted it, yeah. It's Anthem sucks. <laughs> but he doesn't mean it. He just doesn't control you. We know I this. know, and it works yeah. every fucking time. Yeah, it works. Like, <laughs> Wheels is extremely vulnerable to essentially all forms of provocation. Uh, just anthem. Poke, poke. Uh. I'm gonna provoke Wheels into spending money badly. It'll be great. I already spent money badly on anthem. You you say that like that's something that would preclude you from doing it again. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, BG three seems to be a, a wild level of success, and one of the, one of the things I will say is that like the addition of the Baldur's Gate and uh, did, we, uh, did we talk about his mention of Hero Quest? We did not. We did not yet. Okay, continue. Uh, but what I was going to say was that the that the Baldur's Gate license, and specifically the D&D license, when 5e is uh, unprecedentedly popular, uh, probably did help them quite a bit. Uh, so as much as we could look at this and say, hey, you could probably have made this original Sin 3, and it would have still been a wonderful game, like that, that license probably is part of the reason we're seeing... Uh, you know, numbers of like 800,000 concurrent Steam players. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I really like Original Sin. It's very cool. I think mm. Forgotten Realms 
has so much lore to it that at this point it's a bit more of an interesting world than what I've seen in their own games, so there's there's also that. It's had a lot more time to expand. Yeah. For sure, but there's a lot for them to play with there, and I think... Mm -hmm. I'm sure they had lots of fun being able to play in that sandbox. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like uh, I, I just sort of wanted to head off the notion that like it, when you say something uh, when certainly when I say something like oh they could have uh, you know this didn't have to be a sequel to X Y and Z it could have been yeah. something else like that can that can come off as dismissive of the reasoning behind why it has right. the branding that it does but in this case I think that the Baldur's Gate three branding and the license that went along with it probably gave that game a huge boost in terms of visibility. Yeah. Would have, like, I think it may have more accurately been called Neverwinter Nights three, but again, doesn't carry the same brand recognition. Yeah, and and I considered that, and it's like, now obviously, if characters from Baldur's Gate one and two pop up in the game, then I would say, oh, okay, now I understand why. I think they at least, I think that. at least one of the backgrounds uh, that you can select actually does have like aspects of Ballspawn. Uh, plot within it, but that's the most that I would, uh, that I'm aware of. I think I remember when, I want to say years ago when it first hit early access, I thought I heard a rumor that Minsk and Boo are in the game somewhere. That it would shock me if they're not in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> they should be, but also doesn't it take place like almost a hundred years after... Then at that point, then you're know. just going to find like some sort of like statue of them or some shit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty far in the future, so that any like human that they can overwrite any sort of like who's alive, who's dead. It doesn't matter; they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyone human from the original game should be dead. It's D and D. There's a lot of ways they might not be, yes. but. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of those things. Like they, they wouldn't want to call two directly to Baldur's Gate one and two just by virtue of the fact that like the first Baldur's Gate came out twenty five years ago. Yeah. Uh, That's true. So they, they'll, they'll probably have like things that make it clear that characters like Minsk and Boo and uh, like Jahera and Khalid, like those characters existed at one point and. Uh, now they, they don't because it's been many years, but their impact is still felt. Fireminer asks, will you play a CRPG set in the world of Magic the Gathering? Yes, give it to me now. I would. Give it. I would. Yeah, but it. that's never happened. Yeah. Wasn't there some There's kind of a action RPG? Oh, God. Oh, it was bad. Okay. Uh, I, there's been a number of uh, Magic the Gathering uh, the games that took place within the Magic the Ga Gathering sort of, uh, you know, settings and lore, but yeah, there's never really been they're they're action. very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's some, there's some action games that are sort of very. It was like an original Xbox game. It's very bad. It's very very bad. Yeah, I'm thinking that would be really cool a CRPG based on MTG. Like, so it could be turn-based combat. You know, which the game, the card game is, right? But, like, just think about it, though. So at the start of your turn, you have X amount of mana, right? And when you're creating a character, I guess maybe they could have classes based on each of the colors. 
you know, and then maybe at the start of each turn you get extra mana and you can use that to summon creatures and do spells. Like, so you get one, yeah, you get a limited number of actions based on how much mana you have. And so, so imagine you're playing like a, um, a blue character, let's say, mm -hmm. and, you know, and they tell you, okay, you have three blue mana to work with. Okay, so first you summon like a bird that can go attack peck at your enemy's heads and then you can like you know some and then you can use your other two mana to steal one of their summoned minions right that would be neat huh it sounds or like you, sounds yeah. neat but i think if you try and stick too closely to the rule set of the card game you're gonna get it puts you into a weird position yeah. where people are like why isn't this just the card game yeah uh, what I would envision hmm. is okay. So, no character classes. You p character for, to create your character. You pick mana, mana types. It could be yeah. Any so you're still picking any a combination, color. Any combination of all five, or even make some weirdo colorless dude. Uh, oh, an artifact deck. <laughs> oh, artificial. Well, there are. It's uh, colorless. Is not just artifacts, actually. Oh, I know. There are I know. weird Eldrazi and other weird colorless things. Uh, well, I liked the um, new Phyrexia cards where they were colorless, but you could use life to summon them instead of mana or something. Yeah, but they're not colorless. It's cool. just a different kind of mana. I forget what that was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That they have made colorless its actual own mana symbol now and given it its own base land. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it's cool. That's a, after after so long, that's that's a wild change to make. Not a bad one, just big. <laughs> no, it is big, and it's been I, I think it's been pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, but yeah, I think that the, the world of Magic has a lot they can play with there. And I think if you're going to make a CRPG, you should just do that and not focus too much on how do I make this feel like the card game? I would say the card how, game already is a card game. Right. You don't need how to do make I a make a cool or... RPG? Like there's so much weird and cool lore and stories in the Magic Universe already. You don't. I don't think you need to. There's already some support for using it as a D&D setting, isn't there? I think. I think they did something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's one of those situations where it's like there's there's a lot of space to do that. Did wheels pop out or? No, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of space to do that. There's not actually any. I, I think the thing that would probably, the thing that probably curtails them from doing that more is just the uh, different parts of the company probably. Uh, don't want, for example, a tabletop supplement affecting the lore of the card game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you think there's not a lot of story for a card game, there is. You a fool. You have not been paying attention. Uh, I know. I know too many D and D fans to not know that the the card game has not D and D, Magic the Gathering fans. To not know that the card game has a lot of lore, a oh, lot. Is, yes. A lot about well, they. Cobalt well, there's a new expansion every three months, so you know they're just always adding to it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah but a lot of those now of are tie-ins and um, 
Yeah, things like modern masters. That. Yes, things like modern masters, which are partially reprint sets and stuff like that. So it's not, yeah, not but it's also story related. It's also easier to for outsiders to not realize it because it's like it's hard to imagine how you tell a story in the context of a card game. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you buy the fat pack and then you read the booklet that comes with it. <laughs> or else you just realize that attempting to make a game out of Magic the Gathering is like attempting to re or retro engineer a Pokemon out of the Pokemon card game. <laughs> Speaking of, all the... something that yes. vaguely resembles it, but you know what? It's going to have to be its own thing. Speaking, Speaking of, you there can was, play. We didn't talk about the Pokemon Presents. <laughs> yeah, you can that. play Pokemon the card game for Game Boy Color on the Switch now. I love yeah, that game. Yes. And you can. Uh, they showed some a new trailer for the Scarlet and Violet DLC. That's nice. Uh. Which, you know, Scarlet and Violet were fun. I'm excited to see the DLC. Yeah, we're going but, to make a return for Pokemon shenanigans. Yeah, and that was, uh, that, was a, that was a great time, just sort of all of us wandering around doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. we we got to do that again, sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, once the, once the DLC launches, I think we'll have a good time uh, fucking around in it. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, do we have a release date on the first one yet? September uh, something? God, is that close? That's terrifying. I think it is. Googling. Okay, what was? Let's see what was in the Pokemon presents. Scarlet Violet. Hidden treasures of Area Zero. Teal Mask. Oh god. Um, let's see. And then, oh, and they're also doing like Mew raids. Oh, sweet. I'm bad at raid content. Yukio, which has a lot of card lore, all locked in art books, sold exclusively in Japan. Yeah, that huh. sounds like Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh! always found the most complicated way of doing things. Okay. Uh, not seeing an exact release oh, yeah. date. I know that the... Okay, yeah, September 13th for Teal Mask. Uh, <sighs> but, yeah, so... Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make a turn to after that. It was as far as the Pokemon Presents goes. It was it was mostly there wasn't a ton happening. There was another trailer for the new Detective Pikachu game. Uh, there was uh, Scarlet Violet uh, DLC news and raid news, and then probably some stuff about Pokemon Unite or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's the MOBA. Well, it's I, you know, it is. No, I will say weird. that. I I will say Pokemon Unite is one of the better MOBAs I tried. But like, when I first started playing it, I was playing a lot. I was doing pretty well, and I had 
I was I was playing Charizard a lot. And then it's like, I don't know, I just got into so many bad one-sided matches. Because Charizard you know? is trash. Oh, see. Yeah, and it, and it was like, I don't know. Like, so I was in these one-sided matches where my team won by a lot, and I kind of felt bad, and I'm like, I didn't really earn that. And But then there were like, I, but then I was on the other side of it too. Like, oh man, this character's overpowered, and that character's broken, and this is stupid, and, and I just had to uninstall it. So <laughs> I, mean, I got too worked up. A game like that yeah. needs some time to be balanced out too. Yeah, the nature but, of the game. But League of Legends is fucking terrible, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> like. League of Legends is one of those games where it's like, why the fuck is this still popular? How did it get popular the to start with? Is actually decent. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's gonna be a fighting game. I can't wait for that to be popular for two months and then disappear. Um, but what's I gonna say? Something about that. You should probably hit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, there was actually a question in the comment section uh, that I wanted to pick up it's from a uh, friend Bro. of the show, Last Sim on Earth. You guys ever had an experience where a bad localization actively ruined a game that you would have otherwise enjoyed? Additionally, is it dependent on how narrative focused the game actually is? That's not something I have a lot of experience with on this side. Um, <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, I can't say I don't really like playing with with English um, voices just because don't like voice acting very much in English. Um, mm. I'm just too used to the Japanese. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I think the only time I ever actually had to reference a bad localization on a video game review was when uh, it was actually it was a Agi Nation, which is based on a card game where were issues with the way the item list was programmed in to be alphabetical in English. Mm -hmm. And that did not really work out well when everything was transcribed to Japanese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that'll do it. Random. That'll do it. I remember that one. But otherwise, um, you know, I, I can say things like, okay, this whoever translated this one game is obviously fairly very good at English, but they're obviously also starting with Chinese because they cannot get their articles straight. Um, I'm playing currently. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, a lot of this is just stuff I, I noticed just because, you know, I have to deal with Japanese students attempting to write bad English on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, um, but no, um, yeah, it's really hard to ruin it for me with a bad localization. I mean, I, I went through some of the worst of the Super Nintendo period. So. Yeah, there's. It's, it's pretty rare that like a bad localization has completely ruined a game. I have definitely had situations where like an ill-considered localization has definitely made something that I wasn't having a great time with worse. Mm -hmm. Rise Fantasia. Uh, no, I like Ark Rise Fantasia. That wasn't that didn't manage to get sunk by its localization. Oh, I thought that was a neat game. Yeah. What yeah. the hell is that 
I can't remember the game. It was an early 360 RPG, actually by From Software. Uh, Enchanted Arms. Enchanted Arms. Yes. But yeah. Okay. It had some like really atrocious voice acting, and I couldn't even like I couldn't even play the game anymore to even consider whether or not it was actually good. It was just, it was just so bad. The first PS2 like a dragon slash yakuza game uh i was not having a great time with the gameplay but like the localization does that game like zero favors and quite a few handicaps uh it's it, it really does just like suck out a lot of the atmosphere of the game when they're trying desperately to via the localization to fit it into a grand theft auto sort of mold in terms of tone and it's it's yeah it's not great it's not great not recommended don't play that version uh, but that's that's probably like like that game definitely had other issues uh that needed resolving but that, that was one where i can think of like the localization actively made the game harder to enjoy um, i mean there there is the occasional infamous incident where the localization introduced a bug that broke the game. Yeah, I, I consider that slightly different because that's like an accident. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if, we, if we if we include that sort of thing, we could probably pull in a number of changes that working designs made to games over the years. Uh, oh, man, I'm thinking of a Nipponichi. But yeah. Yeah. I've had something similar to this, and it's not necessarily involving localization. It's some anime-based games where they don't have the dub in the game. Mm. So if you're used to watching the show with the dub and you go into this the game like that, it can be pretty jarring. That reminds me of how uh, frustrating it was that the prequel animated dot hack gu since they were doubling dubbing them it simultaneously with the games but on opposite coasts has a completely different voice oh, casting yeah. that kind of sucks yeah uh -huh. it's a decent well, it's like how... too, so yeah it's a good it's well, a good sort of context for why haseo is what he is in gu well it's like when netflix got neon genesis evangelion but then they re-recorded oh, so the whole Right, they re-recorded the English dub, and I'm like, I can't watch this. No, this, nope. I'm not hearing the voices that I want to hear, so, damn it. So much behind-the-scenes bullshit around why that happened. Right. Studio Kara um, has very strong opinions about the dubs of the various Ava products. So I, I can't think of a specific game that where the local where bad localization ruined it because i mean I, I i can't think of anything specific but i do recall an instance where i was playing a game that i really didn't like that much and it had bad localization and i think it had other glitches too and it made me just think oh okay this was low budget or it was rushed or wasn't tested properly or whatever mm -hmm. so but I, I can't think of a case of a of a game i otherwise would have liked is what i'm saying i, I think of cases of bad localization in games that were just bad uh I just yeah. thought of something like one of the issues with this can be that it can be hard to when the game is sufficiently narrative based it can be hard to tell 
if the game would have been good if the localization was better, or if the, there's just a weakness of the original writing. So, uh, which kind of brings us to the other part of Sim's question, uh, asking if it's dependent on how, how narrative-focused the game is. I think it is by virtue of the fact that, like, you know, once you... For example, like, an adventure game or a visual novel, a bad localization, there's nothing left. There's no game left. Uh, so one of the ones that I was thinking of was the developer Sing, uh, who made uh, Little King Story, Hotel Dusk Room 215, uh, uh, Trace Memory, uh, slash another code. Uh, two of those are adventure games, uh, Hotel Dusk and Trace Memory. Uh, but they also made, I, I believe, let me double check. Uh, this game is nigh on ungoogleable, but thankfully I was able to find it. Yeah, they made a game for DS that had like an interesting concept. It was called Again, uh, where you were like a like uh, in, you were an FBI agent uh, investigating a string of serial killings, and that game just could not like despite you know strong pedigree strong premise it was localized by tecmo of all companies and uh i it could not hold my attention and a lot of that came down to sort of the pros like it, it really needed to stand on its writings writing and the writing in the localization at least was pretty weak uh and so it, it does raise the question to me like I, i've never finished that game i I think I got like an hour in and was like, I don't care. <laughs> and I it's it's very hard for me to tell. Was that was that a weakness of the original writing or was that the localization failing to capture what was interesting about the story? And I'll I'll never know. <laughs> because we'll never get we'll never get anyone remaking or relocalizing again for DS. Uh, that, that would be one that I can think of where, like, potentially what happened there was that the localization was poor enough that it completely overshadowed whatever was interesting about the game. Uh, oh! There's one that I think uh, might be worthy of mention. Uh, the P The Bondi published... PSP Legend of Heroes games. Oh, yeah. Those are... Like, the localizations are so boring. And, like, the, the games themselves are kind of slow. They're not the best versions of those games. They're kind of slow. But I feel like the thing that really sinks the ship is just that the localizations are really dull. And they don't have... They, they lack the sense of, like... They, they like the writing flow to make the simple plots and characters work. And so you end up with games that are just kind of, oh, that's fine. This is fine. And it it's one of those situations where it's like, I'm, I am fully confident based on, like, people I know who have played the Gagar uh, Legend of Heroes games who say they're good on my having played Legend of Heroes 1, which is good, and, you know, the Trails games, these are probably good games that are just sort of being buried by 
the ports being slower than they probably should be. Although, to be fair, the PC versions of those games were never fast. But also, uh, just that the localization is just kind of boring. <laughs> uh, and... I, I guess you can make an argument for something like Final Fantasy VIII getting sunk by uh, issues with its emotion in its translation. Mm. Yeah, it, it, definitely, it definitely was made worse by virtue of the fact that they translated Squall expressing a lot of different things that are subtly distinct as whatever. But yeah. I, I do think that there's also... It, it mostly exacerbated weaknesses of the original writing. I mean, Time that's the main argument you can make for anything with a localization. If it's a strong game, the localization doesn't hurt it that much, but if it's already weak, then it's not going to make anything better. I, I kind of disagree, though, Like, not just simply by virtue of the fact that it is possible for a game that is otherwise strong to be sunk if it's sufficiently narrative-focused by a bad localization. Like, I, I do think that that is actually possible. True, if it's if it's primarily narrative based, yeah. Mm. And that's that's which where point, I would bring up chinting on the localization. Oh man. Uh, which is which is why I was bringing up like Legend of Heroes Gagarv games and uh, the uh, like again on DS just by virtue of the fact that they were games that are almost entirely uh, reliant on the uh, moment to moment text being interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we've about covered that question. I wanted to make this one a little short because I'm pretty tired, so we're going to pull up one from the big question list and then call it a night, I think. So did you see uh, Fireminer brought up Zoid's legacy? Yeah, I don't know anything about Zoid, so I can't intelligently comment on it. It says it changed so many <laughs> terms... Originated from the anime. Yeah, I can see that messing things up. Yeah. Like, this didn't happen, but I feel like if someone had taken Yokai Watch and not been able to figure out how to bring a lot of the comedic the aspects of it, yeah, and the puns to yeah. English, that it would have not been as fun as it ended up being. Yeah. I mean, g going with level five, I remember um, I reviewed Fantasy Life, and then I think it was Becky um, reviewed the English version, and she gave me a full point more than I did. And I was like, okay, is the localization really that good? And she was like, yeah, it is. Like, okay. <laughs> you you yeah. will see the occasional local localization that punches up a relatively dull script. Yeah, and I mean, Fantasy Life did not have much of a script to begin with. Mm-hmm. A lot of space to play in that sandbox. Uh, something short, something short. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, let's see, I don't know if we'll have many answers for this, but let's hit this one because I think it's a mildly interesting question. Other than Star Ocean Three and Chrono Cross, would RPGs make a case that whatever you did didn't matter? Hmm. Mm. 
It's always that's always something that just sort of pisses people off. I remember that was at least part of one of the many things people were complaining about with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was uh, the murky distinction of how much of a fantasy Ivalice is in that game, and the question of like, well, does the brought up within the game of whether any of what's happening there counts. Um, This is always like one of those things that like it's really dangerous to even uh, play in the realm of this. Like some portion of the world is fake. Mm-hmm. Did anyone play Eternal Sonata? Oh yeah, Trusty Bell. <laughs> yeah, I played. I played some Eternal Sonata. And yeah, since that's Chopin's dying fever dream, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a case to be made for that. Not per se mattering. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I ever had the time opportunity and everything else to actually go good on that April Fool's Day review I did of um, Rusty Bell PDQ Box Drunken Ramblings or no, was it the Drunken Stupor of PDQ Bach. That would have been mm-hmm. really fun to play with on this. Nothing <laughs> matters because the protagonist is about to wake up with the world's worst hangover. Um, <laughs> see. A quick one that just showed up in the chat. Uh, Fireminer asking if any of us has ever played Lost Regnum on the PSP. I've never, I've never played that. Never heard of it. I have avoided getting a PSP up to this point just because I know that it would take over would my life have like, a library of games. Yeah, you would suddenly have a giant library of bargain bins to pick through. <laughs> Seriously, ooh. Uh. And just left field question, how bad is the computer education curriculum in America right now? I heard from my American friends that their kids were hopeless when it came to finding their way around the PC. They were just too used to the convenience of smartphones. Reasoning behind the complaint is that back then, computer science was still not good, but people my age were forced to troubleshoot things by themselves. When's the last time uh, you've used a command prompt? Uh, Not that long ago, but that's because of the people that... Yeah, I'm Wheels the, was probably I'm, using it during the stream. Yes, I'm not. I'm the wrong <laughs> yeah. person to ask this question to. Yeah, like like you're you're yeah. running into a biased sample. Yeah. <laughs> and if I had to, I could probably figure it out again. But I haven't actually done much finicky stuff with computers ever since they changed the back into the website, and I no longer had to um, craft my own pages for reviews. Yeah, which is really annoying to be honest, because I real I really got used to just setting up the formatting for uh, pictures and everything the way exactly I wanted it and I can't do anything right with this thing and I don't think I honestly don't think this has anything to do with education it has more to do with just things people things we did back in the day on computers kids are doing on tablets and smartphones in general like I don't think most people who use computers had a strong grounding in how they actually worked and this is more a case of uh, businesses run into this as an issue by virtue of the fact that they often use very old systems. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Whereas, like, uh, in most day-to-day life, like, just being used to smart device UIs, like, everything sort of wants to look like that. So there's no reason to 
and uh, as someone who definitely has known people who tried to uh, dick around with their computer in such a way that, like, part of the reason that this sort of UI took off is that it made it harder for people to fuck themselves over. Yeah. You want you want a design language that uh, generally tries to take things out of your hands so long as uh, you don't know what to do with them. And smart devices are very good at taking stuff out of your hands if you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a matter. Of, like, I think it all has to do with the school district and what they prioritize yeah, and how much of a budget district, they have. So, so this idea of you know how bad is computer education curriculum in America? I, it depends like on how bad is the curriculum school. in America. Period. Hmm. Yeah, but it also depends on the the school district. Is what I'm yeah, saying. it's heavily yeah. like area dependent, as most of the I, aspects of schooling in America are. Well, when I was growing up, um, I grew up in a slightly like wealthier town, like middle upper class, and they had money, and mm -hmm. they had like I don't know if they were Apple IIs or iMacs or something, but there was a whole computer lab full of really nice computers, and we played um, the Amazon Trail as opposed to the Oregon Trail. Um, <laughs> and But then we also had Mario teaches typing and stuff. So I remember as a kid being in a wealthier school district, and they had all these really nice computers. And then after we moved to a different town... Like, the curriculum was literally an entire year behind, right? So when mm -hmm. I was in 8th grade, I relearned all the stuff that I had just learned in 7th grade. Because this district was about a full year behind on the curriculum. And I didn't touch a single computer the whole time I was in 8th grade at this other mm -hmm. school district. Um, whereas, of course, that then in high school, depending on the class, you may or may not get access to a computer and and by that time we had a good computer at home that i was able to use to type stuff and and of course then i played diablo 2 after school and didn't do any of my homework um <laughs> but that so th there's a lot of stuff i did teach myself on our computer at home but yeah i do think about sometimes how there are kids who maybe even now grow up in lower income households where they can't afford a computer and they go to a school in a lower-income school district and community where th there's no computers for them to learn on. So, uh, yeah, I do think about that. Um, <laughs> could be problematic. Um, then when I was 21, I stopped going... Like, I was studying English and psychology at a regular, you know, four-year college, and I dropped out and then went to a technical college and got my A-plus certification and learn how to fix computers there. And so I, I don't think it's really a computers are really a huge part of regular public school curriculums. I think you kind of have to go to like a technical college to get, you know, the more formal training in that stuff, I would say. Um, in, in general, there was never like a strong push within America to sort of, as far as I can tell, to um, integrate the notion of how to operate computers beyond a basic level into yeah. the curriculum. Uh, and that would mostly be stuff like word processing and uh, like 
spreadsheets, like the, the sort of like very basic uh, practical programs are sort of the things you'd be taught. And then you might get a slightly, uh, you might get some other stuff as potential uh, elective fodder in high school, but uh, it, it's, it's generally just not a, uh, it, it was never super widespread to try to teach, uh, like any level of, uh, programming or engineering for how these actually functioned. And I don't, well, there's, don't there's less of a reason to do it now. Yeah. yeah there's even less of a reason to do it now. Uh, because the practical uses of computers, unless you're going into that kind of field, it's just not that. It's it's not a strong pull. Yeah, I actually struggled in a statistics class once because I had no idea how to use Excel. I had never even seen it before. And the teacher wanted everything done in Excel. And this was in college when i was yeah because when i switched to a psychology major they said you have to take statistics i was like god damn it damn math damn you math and hey um it's not math's fault your teacher sucks leave math yeah. out of this so, so so anyways at that time the computer that my parents bought for me for college did not have excel on it and you had to buy it as part of microsoft uh, works <laughs> um but I, I remember that taking that class and me and two other guys in the class were like, I don't, I don't have Excel on my computer. Do you, do you, do you No. So the three of us went to the computer lab on campus and tried to teach ourselves Excel to do our homework and <laughs> didn't go up, didn't pan out very well. No. <laughs> oh boy. That's rough. Hey, Tam's here. Hey, Tam. Um, well, it's going to, okay. So before that, there was a question about, playing games where your choices seemed meaningless or something yeah where and, like the, the nature of the plot meant that what you did didn't really matter yeah so uh pillars of eternity too i don't want to <laughs> spoil anything but i got to the end and it was like oh okay that was meaningless okay um i was just gonna say i prefer i prefer games like skyrim or fallout 4 where after you beat the game, you get to keep playing and see how your choices actually affected the world, and then there's still more quests you can do. Um, whereas, like, I was disappointed at the end of Breath of the Wild when I beat Ganon and then had to reload my save before the Ganon fight. I don't like when they make you reload before the final boss fight, as if it didn't happen and you don't get to see any results of that. That's all. Okay, so one I just thought of for games where the main character's decisions don't really matter. Mm -hmm. Seventh Dragon. Hmm. Where, I mean, yeah, you've got your adventuring guild, you can make your party any way you want, but every single major plot point is determined by NPCs with actual names. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen a lot when you have, like, characters that... Well, quote-unquote characters that don't have a defined, like, motivation or personality. Like, if, a lot of the narrative heavy lifting tends to wind up on non-player characters. The thing is, this particular group is, your group is chosen to spearhead the war effort because of some sort of specific effect of being one of the first groups uh, um, attacked by the dragons. And hmm. yet there is nothing in the game itself that actually shows how this is important. 
Mm-hmm. Especially since you can replace your entire original party at any time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, I think that's about as much as my own personal brain can take for the moment, so... Gonna... We adequately answered two questions just now, so I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've lived the dream, so... Now we need to dream about living, I don't know, to talk about princesses. Okay, so, well, we've been, at least some of us have been talking a whole lot about role-playing game-based items today. <laughs> um, I have, of none of which I've actually played, so I've just been sitting in the background trying to get my computer to, to function properly. Godspeed. But, yes, but if, if your interest is piqued in the... Um, tabletop role-playing game experience outside of actual tabletop gaming, and you want something that's a little less immature than some of the stuff I've heard from Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, yeah. We have, yeah. Um, we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, which was originally designed to be middle school, and it largely is, um, various in-jokes notwithstanding. Um, or Kindle and Kindle Unlimited in ebook or dead tree format, and I believe I should be thanking somebody for picking up a copy of that earlier this week. Yes, someone in this podcast. Yes, Yay. thank you very hey. much. Bye-bye. Yes, you're welcome. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I figured we plug things. it. We plug it every week, so I'm like, to... I should buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Many thanks to you and to whoever has read over 900 pages on Kindle Unlimited in the past. <laughs> And a half. Wow. Oh, so, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, some. I mean, literally, this person has read like ninety-five percent of the current available series in the last three and a half weeks. Nice, including the entirety of the paralogue in over the course of four days, mostly in one of those days. I'm just very <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Someone's having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I was um, able I, to get volumes one through three. In dead tree format for seven dollars on Amazon. Um, yeah, I, have I haven't started no it idea yet. What's but, up with that. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't started it yet, but um, but yeah, it seems pretty neat. And the, so the premise is, there's an uncle trying to like connect with his teenage niece, right? Uh, yeah, or something tween, like that. So yeah, going on thirteen. So, it was just like so, yeah, the niece. Yeah. the niece saw some stuff involving like role playing games on TV. Thought it looked interesting and. Being the only relative who has any idea of what the heck is going on with this, his, um, her mom, the bank, um, the uh, narrator's little um, narrator's sister, just kind of dragged him into it. So, um, at the start, he's not quite sure where he's going to be taking this. He's not sure if it's going to last for more than one or two sessions. And so the uh, the world building is kind of ad hoc for quite a while. It gets funny. <laughs> At one point, he's just admitting in in the meta, is like, yeah, we are probably going to be retconning some of the stuff right now. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Like, one of the things that you can capture about, like, the fun of, like, I don't know how many sessions I'll be having with this group. <laughs> and by the end of it, or by the current point in the story, which is, like, mid, we're, we're approaching mid-August at this point, and like, yeah, the miracle is that they actually have managed to take almost every single Sunday so far this summer. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that, yeah. one, um, that one week where they all get to, sent to summer camp, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, 
So like, yeah, we kind of forgot to mention that we signed up for this back in May and promptly forgot about it, except our mom's already paid and we have to go. <laughs> they found a way to make it work. And one paralogue later. <laughs> yep. I mean, so my... two, of, two of the players didn't even go, so episode 10 is just the two of them. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, my thought was, well, I'm an uncle, and I have a niece who is... Well, I have three nieces, sort of, but... Um, I have a niece who's nine years old, so it's kind of like, yeah, it, it's it's it could get to that point in the next few years. And I was thinking, like, yeah, I'm gonna read it, but then I may, like, end up gifting it to her, you know, see if if she likes oh, it. Ahead. Assuming it's a, yeah, assuming it's appropriate for her, and assuming her, my sister and brother-in-law are okay with tabletop well, games. Uh, I'm not sure where their religion stands on the subject. Oh <laughs> They're Baptists, yeah. Um, so I don't yeah. know how that fits in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, but, it might be a fun way. It's to far more a personal hang-up than a religious position um, these <laughs> days. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, so, for what it's worth, the the entire series was originally written for a ten-year-old niece. Okay. Who That's is helpful. currently seventeen and going into her final year of high school? So my, how time flies! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, then I do have an older niece who now identifies as non-binary so i don't know the we, we didn't agree on nibbling right nibbling. so yeah that could be the term so so yeah and, and that's so i have three so i have two nieces and a non-binary person that <laughs> the, I mean, the gender know, neutral term is nibbling. Nibbling. okay so like brother and sister are siblings nieces and nephews oh, can be nibblings yeah Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a useful term in this context. <laughs> it, it's yeah. a fun word to use. I, I try to use yeah. it more often, but I don't often have a chance. But yeah, I've got mm -hmm. like uh, one, two, three, four, five. I've got five nibblings now mm -hmm. across two continents. <laughs> yeah, so all, all I know is I, I had a niece who was really into Pokemon and, and other video games. We played games together online a bunch of times, and I now have a non-binary person who nibbling who doesn't answer their phone to anybody not it's so it's not personal but <laughs> not specific but to that, you they just don't answer right so that's kind of how i was so in my early 20s yeah like there's times where like my mom would show up at my apartment and be like why the fuck aren't you answering your fucking phone you know <laughs> so you know that would happen yeah but yeah, to to drag this back on track for just a moment. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. No problem. Yeah, I like uh, Princesses of the yes. Pizza Parlor, Amazon, Kindle or Kindle Unlimited, Dead Tree Format, Dead Tree Format, inexplicably cheap. Even the author isn't sure why. Uh, but you can Except find for the second paperback. I do not know why, but the second makes volume it even is more mysterious. <laughs> hey, if it's making Amazon lose money, you should buy like ten copies. Yeah. And it also and gives Kaijin money. Record, <laughs> record, my royalties off of these don't change. Yeah, so don't feel bad about getting the deal. The first right, time I noticed good. that the fourth book was at a literal 70% discount, and I talked, actually, I talked pause and one other person into actually buying copies just to check for me. <laughs> just and to see I got, what it would do. I got the full royalty for it. as if yeah, were actually, wow. like, Amazon's allowed to do whatever the hell it wants with its infinite store of money. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not going to argue about this. I'm just kind of going to sit back and be perplexed why it's three out of four. There you go. Yep. Nice. But yeah. So, so give those a look. Uh, if you're if you're looking for them, you can find them by searching for author Michael Yarimizu. Y a r i m i z u. 
Maps, nom de Google. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, speaking of people who purchased things who have things to plug. Oh, you want me to plug? <laughs> yes. My turn. Okay. So, um, I go by Smoke and Joe Gamer on Twitch, YouTube, and Mastodon. Um, actually, I actually logged into Facebook the other day for the first time in a week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate this site. Why am I here? Um, for learning on Mastodon, like on Mastodon, I actually learn stuff, and I actually, you know, see posts about, like, major, like, issues in our world that I care about, as opposed to just... Hey, look at my look! Another picture of my dog. So you know, I mean, having the only fun on, most on Facebook is to keep up with my mother's extended family of like literally eighty cousins. Yep. <laughs> so so yeah. anywho, That's a lot of you can follow me Damn. on Twitch, YouTube, and Mastodon. Not Facebook, not Instagram, not X. The, the not the, uh, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Yes. Yeah. So I'm anyways, still waiting um, to get off of that properly. Yeah. Join so you can you can check me out on there, and I'm. <laughs> I'm. Yeah, so they'll, they'll I did. Um, <laughs> I did JRPG July last month. I'm doing August Adventures this month. Um, still trying to stream four nights a week, but um, on Tuesday I just didn't feel like it. Sorry. Um, whereas last night I ended up streaming Twisted Metal 1 and 2. I figured they're adventure games, right? You're, you adventure in a car and you blow up other cars and you're trying to get your wish granted by a magic genie psychopath guy. Sure, why not? And so. <laughs> so that's what I was playing last night. Um, and I've, so, so far this month I've also streamed, I did two streams of Baldur's Gate 3 that you can check out, um... Oh, I did Pikmin Four. <laughs> yeah. So all of my Twitch streams, if you can't catch them live, you can catch them on YouTube whenever I get around to um, exporting them over. So there you have it. So you can follow me. I need the followers. I'm trying to go affiliate and all that. So what you know, if you want to hmm. follow, want to watch a couple streams, you want to just you know watch a guy just play a game and then get very angry and swear at things when things don't go well you know that's fine it's fun <laughs> i do try to have fun <laughs> we try we try here <laughs> uh, okay uh as for us we uh stream uh us in this case being man wheels we stream the uh podcast you're listening to q a quest every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, we'll also we also stream uh, Sunday night shenanigans, which Joe is usually on for uh, on Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern again. Uh, there is also uh, Wheels occasionally will stream other things. I think earlier this podcast you were threatening to potentially stream some sort of THQ Nordic press event. Oh, uh, yes, yes. The their presentation on what's tomorrow? The August eleventh. Uh which yeah. will be far in the rear view by the time this goes yes, up. Yes, you are unlikely to have listened to this podcast before that presentation has already happened. So if you're watching live now, that's the thing you can check out. 
Maybe. We'll see. But, yeah. Uh, and uh, you can contact us. I know you can contact Man Wheels. Also on Mastodon, Wheels is Ask Wheels. I'm Fanboy Master. Uh, I'm also Fanboy Master on Co-Host, and I need to make use of that Blue Sky invite that Wheels sent me. Yes. keep forgetting to actually use that, but I should. He was very generous. Uh, I need one. Okay. <laughs> Next code is yours. Because I'm uh, on at least four different people's waiting lists. Is it <laughs> any good? You're bound to get one sooner or later. <laughs> it's, is it any good? It's like Twitter before it sucked. It's means better so than the great, alternative. But... Yeah. That's true. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can contact us there. Wheels will also accept questions via threads, although the heat on that seems to have died down at least a little bit. Uh, I think uh, it's, it'll hang in there given its association with an already established... Facebook is unwilling to platform. throw it into the trash, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, as for asking us questions in the normal ways, you can ask us via the Twitch chat if you manage to catch us live. Always happy to interact with the audience there. Thanks once again to Fireminer and Joe for providing us questions that way. You can ask us questions in the comments under this on rpgamer.com. Thank you, Last Sim on Earth, for uh, your question. It was very nice. Always good to hear from you. Uh, and you can ask us questions in the RP Gamer Discord in the podcast section, which you can get to by going to the community tab of RP Gamer to uh, click through and find more information on joining that, Which by which by more information, I mean there's an invite link. Uh, it's a lovely Discord community, even if you don't want to ask us questions, but, you know, we always appreciate people throwing some our way. But otherwise, I think that wraps us up, so see you, Space Cowboys. See you. See you.